Uh, but for now, we're delighted to be joined uh, for the story behind the song uh, by Neil Davies, CEO of BBDO Dublin. And Neil has been on before, and that's why he's on again, because he was so good the first time. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And just following on from mm. those texts you're reading yeah. out there, I'm currently uh, I'm sitting in the Wyatt Hotel in Westport, County Mayo, having chosen to holiday in Ireland this year rather than going abroad. Are there many people there? Uh, it's quite busy, but it's it, it's a it, it's a restrained busy, if you know what I mean. There are people around, but I think people are keeping their distance and seem to be behaving. Cool. And just um, would you fall, would you fall into that category then, Neil? You'd be quite. You'd be quite, you know, firm on that, would you, that you'd prefer to stay at home this year and not go abroad and staycation? Without question. Very good. Without question. It's just a year, you know, miss it. We won't miss it. You know, you might miss the sun a little bit, but, you know, we can cope, I'm sure. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, Neil, you've you brought us an absolute, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a classic, an absolute classic, this song. Um, How You Can't Like That's This Song um, would be beyond me. But go on, tell us what it is. It's it's a design for life by the Manic Street Preachers. A banger, as the youngsters say these yeah. days, I believe. Go on, anyway, start um, off. I mean, it, it's an, I mean, this is a band that, that actually me and the missus saw with, you know, in a tiny crowd of about 30 people at the, the Adelphi Club in Hull in 1991. So we've always stuck with them yeah. and loved them and seen them grow through very different iterations. But this is an amazing song that's still being talked about, you know, 24, 25 years since it came out. But it's importantly for them, it's a career-defining song because up until this song came out, nobody knew whether we would ever hear from the Manic Street Preachers again. Their previous album had kind of bombed. A lot of people didn't like it. Um, the, but the band leader, the main songwriter, had died. He'd gone missing and has now been um, uh, declared dead since that fact. And they were now a three-piece and struggling with what would come next. And more importantly, since that last album had come out in 94, fashions had changed. 95 Britpop was now everywhere and the question was are the Manics even ever going to do anything again and suddenly they come back with this mega hit which at a time when everything was stacked against them was an amazing thing to come back with and what's the if you like the inspiration for the song I mean there are lots of things in it I mean I think lyrically like a lot of songs that the Manic Street Preachers write it's about a very left-wing angle on, on, on working-class life. You know, libraries give us power, but then work came and, and, and set us free. And and just about that, you know, you, you live in a box, you're you're only allowed to get drunk and not talk about love, just get on with your job is essentially the, the, the kind of message that they're trying to portray that, that's been forced on them from the ruling class. Um, but I think because it's got words like drunk and love in the chorus, it's such a huge sing-along chorus everybody wants to join in even though it's essentially a class war anthem it's something that you can't help singing along to when it comes on in the jukebox and that's largely because of the way that it's it's put together as a song it's a very unique song for a lot of reasons yeah tell me about the influence of joy division and ian curtis on the song well i mean there's there's a lot of parallels um with this anyway and, and actually it's topical because closer which is the last joy division album came out 40 years ago this week and um, it was actually the, the album that they recorded just before Ian Curtis, their singer, killed himself. So there are lots of parallels there mm. between Ian Curtis and Richie from the Manics. And I wonder if when they had that 18-month that hiatus, the Manics were going back to their Joy Division influences a little bit. They've always stolen Joy Division song titles. They subsequently had a hit called The Everlasting, which mimics a, man, a Joy Division song called The Eternal. They previously had a song called from Despair to Wear, which copied From Safety to Wear, uh, a Joy Division song. And Joy Division's first ever release 
was an EP called An Ideal for Living. So there are definitely a lot of, um, of Joy Division clues there in the title, which maybe were triggered because of the Ian Curtis and Ritchie suicides. Um, the other thing is, uh, as a Design for Life finish, finishes with a very unusual drum solo. You, you very rarely hear that in, in, in pop and rock songs. Yeah. But that, that copies quite a few Joy Division songs, things like Passover and A Means to an End, which end in that very, very unusual way as well. So my suspicion is they were channeling a lot of Joy Division. Bearing in mind that Joy Division reinvented themselves and became New Order after the death of their band leader, and the Manics were going through that same degree of reinvention. So obviously Joy Division had a big role to play for them. Mm. I'm fascinated, I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but I'm fascinated by the structure of great songs and um, the, you know, the, subver the uh, subverting the classical, you know, for example, two verse, two chorus, middle eight chorus uh, structure yeah. and doing something different. I love songs that do something different for that. I mean, classic example is like something like the day, A Day in the Life or... But another one yes. is something like um, something as simple as uh, "Don't Stop Believing," um, which is a, which is an anthemic song as well, but which has no chorus until the very end of the song. And yeah. when you say "Don't Stop Believing," people go "Don't Stop Believing," and that only happens at the end of the song after about three <laughs> minutes and thirty. And people think that that's the chorus, but actually it's the end of the song. And so you say here that in this uh, design for life, the drumming is the is the out. Yeah, I mean it, it's a complete one-off. I mean it's it, it's a very simple song in a lot of ways in that it is just verse chorus and one of the verses is repeated there isn't a middle eight mm. um there's beautiful lavish um orchestral flourishes in there which sometimes are as almost sing-along um as, as some of the the melody lines themselves it's got a very memorable guitar riff at the, the beginning that dun, 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 which is actually in 12 eight time as a time signature very very unusual and the only other pop song i can think of which was a big hit in 12 eight time was Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears of Fears. Yeah. It has a similar kind of That's right. off, offbeat rhythm, but you really get into it and it's memorable. Now, both of them build up to a massive, massive chorus, although I think the Mannix probably has the edge on that because that is such an anthem when you hear it played. What's, what's the emotion in the song, Neil? I was, I've, I've, I've been trying to, I've been listening to you and then I've been he hearing the song in my mind as well. And I've been trying to wonder, is it sad? Is it hopeful? Is it angry? Is it poignant? What, what, would you put an emotion on the song? Yeah, I think it's defiant. <laughs> I think, I think there's, a, there's an element of, oh shit, we're told, we, oh sorry if it's wearing there, we're told we need to, to know our place, but actually we want to be defiant through that. And that comes through the uplifting sound of the music and that wall of sound production and the mammoth chorus, even though the lyrics are very downbeat, the overall sense is quite defiant and uplifting, I think. Mm. And the performance of the song, how did it do? Was it a massive hit? Was it, was it, was it just an album track? Was it, uh, did it, was it well, a sleeper? I mean, that's the amazing thing. After everything they'd been through and, you know, fashion's changing, it suddenly became their biggest hit. They'd only had one top ten hit before. And suddenly this came straight in the charts at number two, sold millions of copies and was, was kept off the number one spot by, by um, uh, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison in the UK chart. Um, I think it was probably top 20 in Ireland. I think it was a number 17. Um, and it, it was a massive hit for them. Now, they went on to have number one single subsequent to that. But this was the one that, that broke the mould for them and was the lead song from Everything Must Go, which was a, a fantastic comeback album um, anyway. And, and Design for Life might not even be the best song on that album. That's the wow. crazy thing. Cool. Um, it, seems to, it seems to be one of those songs, now just thinking about it, it's one of those songs, it seems to have been around forever even though it's only 1996, you can, 
you can almost hardly imagine a world without this song being around. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, it it, it has a timelessness to mm. it, and I think because it doesn't sound like anything you've really heard before. Yeah. It, it's got orchestral elements and punk rock elements, and and that wall of sound production yeah. that it just picks and chooses really good bits from different genres and puts them together beautifully. Well, Neil, it's wonderful to hear your enthusiasm um, for not only for this, but for all the music that we've talked about uh, to date. So, um, listen, nothing left but for you to introduce this great song. Yeah, he, here we are from April 1996, the classic, The Defiant, A Design for Life by the Manic Street Preachers. Yeah. 